live from New York. Welcome to our visual Bible study. It's a virtual way of getting into the Bible. Tonight the study is going to be a pickup of Sunday morning's lesson when we talked about Jericho. So tonight as we look at Joshua and we look at where God leads him, we're going to get a good idea of how God wants us to function as his people. To begin with though, we have some questions and answers. Name some things that can cause us to come in together or unite us. Tiffany Ann Kuzma says, Hard times. Man, we can all relate. There have been those times that we just didn't know what to do and somebody comes along and just puts their arm around us and says, It's okay. It's okay. Sue Shumate says, common goals. And this is what keeps us together. We really go together everywhere. and We're usually on the same projects and support each other. I'm very lucky she's my wife. Cindy Foreman, a tragedy or a celebration? Tragedies happen a lot, but so do celebrations. I like the balance of what Cindy said. Jackie Smith said, the national vote. I wondered when I saw that answer if she might have been watching the debate from last night. And finally, Wanda Bauer says, hurricanes. And hurricanes are like that. If we don't get together, we don't get through them. Uh, we can all remember times that we hung out together and some of the people who hung up with us. And we went through the hurricanes of 2004 and 2005. If you remember, we came across being one. And this is an old song that I know. And don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. We're trying to up viewership, not bring it down. So I'm just going to use the words. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know we're Christians by our love. By our love, yeah. They'll know we're Christians by our love. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. And we'll guard each man's dignity and save each man's pride. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. If you were here Sunday, we started a study of the beginning of Joshua. And Joshua starts out on one of those notes that if I was back in Israel, I think I would have said, oh no. Because the Lord comes to Joshua and says 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. And I'm about, that I'm about to give to you, the Israelites, and I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the great desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I imagine Joshua still feels lost. He's taking over people that have not been exactly what we call cooperative. There were times when they wanted to go back to Egypt. They griped about the food. They griped about the water. They griped about the taste of the water. They griped about Moses' leadership. And now he's taught, Joshua's told, you're the man taking over for them. But somehow it's different now. They answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us to do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, they will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Taking that apart, there's some things that he's saying that you, you really got to take some time to let it get inside. Whatever you command us, we will do. In other words, Joshua, we're going to cooperate with your leadership. We're going to back your leadership. You tell us what to do and we'll do it. The second part of that is, wherever you tell us to go, we'll go. In other words, they're available. I started thinking of people who give up some reasons that they can't be available. And I always hate this time of year because it's football season. And if you ask, you got somebody in mind to go with you, you're going to choose their team who is playing at the time that you're supposed to go every time. I guess that's my problem. I went to a college without a football team. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. We will obey you. This is a commitment. It's in some of the older marriage vows that 
wherever you go, I'll go, and whatever you do, I'll do, and the wives used to say, I'll obey you, and that's sort of gone the way of the world now. But it's a way of saying, I am committed to you, and nothing will get in between us. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Whoever rebels, whoever decides they're not going to do what Joshua asked them to do, shall be put to death because they're looking for loyalty. You can't go into battle and take the promised land if you have people who will obey only half their orders. Only be strong and courageous. This was probably my favorite of all because it's a very positive thing. Y'all can remember a time when it, it was tough and somebody came along and they put their arm around you and said, it's going to be all right. It lets you know that you're not in this world alone. And they said, you'll know you're not in this world alone. So Joshua gets ready. And he sends two spies and says, go over, look at the land, especially Jericho. Now Jericho is going to be the first city they run into. It's a very famous city, and we'll get into why in a moment. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And they stayed there. Now the king is on top of it. He sends out word that there are some men from Israel who are now in the land, in their city. And he's here to spy it out. So he sends soldiers over to Rahab and says, bring the men out that have entered your house because they've come to spy out the whole land. Rahab shows that she is one of those people who can think on her feet. Because she says, yeah, there were two men here, but I didn't know where they came from. And at dusk, when it came time to close the city gates, those men left. And I didn't pay any attention to which way they went. So head out. Maybe you can catch them. What they don't know is that she'd taken them up to the roof of her house. And the straw roofing was a great place to cover over people that you want to hide. Now, Jericho itself is a wonder. They found where it is, and the archaeologists are a little bit shaky. The prevalent thought is it's three and a half stories high. And it is somewhere between 18 and 30 feet wide. The top was used for various fighting machines, 
such as the arrow launcher where they could launch anywhere from 6 to 18 arrows depending on that particular machine. They had machines that would dump hot oil on you as you tried to get into it. And then on top of all that, they had what was considered the most fierce warriors in all the land. The people around made peace with Jericho because this was the unconquerable city. So how do you get into an unconquerable city when you're the people of God? And Jericho is so shut up because of the Israelites that no one can go in or out. And the Lord says to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and fighting men. Now, I don't know if he did or not, but I'm going to sit there and scratch my head for a little bit. This is a city that's got the mightiest of forces guarding it. Nobody can go in, nobody can go out, and God's saying, Look, I've given you Jericho. And then God gives the plan. And the plan is to march around the city once with armed men and do this for six days. There'll be seven priests with trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, they are to march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear the hymns, and when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, they're to give a shout and then the walls of the city will collapse. And the fighting men of Israel can go straight in with nothing to hold them back. If you are the fiercest fighters of their day, and nobody wants to face you on your battlefield, and you see this group with something on two poles, and the people blowing the horns, and the rest just sort of walking around, it's easy to say they think they're going to beat us with parades. That's what it looks like. It looks like you give enough a parade, and if it gets boring, they'll leave. Joshua takes them aside one more time and says, when the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord goes forward blowing their trumpets and the Ark of the Covenants followed them, the armed guard marched ahead of the priests who were blowing the trumpets. The rear guard followed the Ark. And the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua said to the people, don't Give a war cry. Don't raise your voices. Don't say a word until I tell you to shout. And then, shout. So he had the ark of the Lord, and they carried it around the city, circling it once, and they returned to camp, and they spend the night, and they get up, and they do it again. But on the seventh day, they march around it seven times, the horns blowing, 
And this time Joshua says, shout. And the people shout. And the city walls collapse. When walls that big collapse from that height, some people say they lost probably three-fourths of their fighting troops because the walls collapsed. They could walk in and they had no opposition because the other people who were seeing the fighters killed, they were getting out of town. And God actually gives the city of Jericho the impossible place of conquering to his people because they walked, blew trumpets, and shouted. How do you bring this all together? How do you make it make sense? Why is this even in the Bible? I think there are some things that God wants us to know. First, unity really takes effort and work. Unity doesn't happen because we're in the same place. Unity doesn't happen because we're doing the same thing. Unity happens because we do the right thing with the right effort. In other words, we cooperate. And by our cooperation, we can get a lot more done. Look at the troops. There were the troops who were armed. There were the guys blowing the ram's horns and then the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant and then all the other people. But it took everyone to conquer Jericho. In our lives, sometimes we run into things that are tough. And it takes everybody cooperating to achieve what we can achieve and to help people find what they need. Second, we have to be available. This has gotten worse as we've gotten these time-saving equipments. Now we have got our, our lives so filled with things that we can't find time for anything else. It takes work to say, and discipline, to say, I'm going to be available. I'm going to do it because I'm going to discipline myself enough to do it. Third, commitment. Know what you're doing is important. And be committed to show up and to do what you can. On Mondays, we have a food giveaway that happens. And we have people that come and show up every week at the right time because they've made a commitment to do that. Loyalty. We don't do anything that breaks apart the loyalty of each other. Those of you who know me know my stories about my family. You can pick on me. 
don't pick on my daughter or her husband or my grandchildren, but especially don't pick on my wife. We can talk about our differences, but leave them out of it. It's that kind of loyalty to us here that makes us successful. We are loyal to each other as we serve God in this place. Last, be the kind of person who can put their arm around somebody. Encourage and let them see that you think they've done good. And to keep trying if they're disappointed in the outcome. Because given enough time and effort, they'll get better. No one learns to hit a ball with the first swing of the bat. No one learns to catch just because they have the first glove they've ever bought. They don't even throw the distance. It takes time to learn. And we will encourage each other until we learn where we fit and how we can do. If you're looking for a church like this, let me invite you to come this week. Matt will be here, Matt Robison, and he's been doing a series. Last time he spoke on, Am I My Brother's Keeper? And it's so close to what we're talking about tonight. So come and hear Matt this Sunday, and he'll be here next Wednesday. I hope to see you. Thank you.